Welcome back to On the Prowl, presented by Cardiac Cats. I'm your host, Jacob Shorba, and today I'm once again joined by my brother Josh, fellow member of the Duval Faithful. Today, we're going to be talking about your first place Jacksonville Jaguars. Can you believe it? So, do you enjoy that Christmas miracle? I very much enjoyed that. I thought my gift unwrapping was over, but apparently Jacksonville had one more for me. Actually, I guess technically Houston would be who I credited for that, right? Well, if you got any like kids around you, they call it Santa. But um, yeah, it was it was Houston. I so thankful for them. It was it was a miracle on Christmas Eve for them to be in first place. And it, I guess I'm not shocked by it. I mean, you called it last week that they lose to Houston. I felt like it was possible, but I just I don't like rooting against. Or, sorry, I like rooting against the Titans, but I don't feel confident saying they're going to lose games. Because it's always felt like they pull it together and they figure it out. You know, early this year they did that. They won a lot of games that were just really unimpressive. And that's how they got to 7-3. and three. But that's not what they are anymore. They're a 7-8 and eight team. They're not leading the division. And the South currently runs through Jacksonville. So, you know, I think it kind of changes the mentality now because before you're thinking of it like, oh, Jacksonville's got to do all this stuff and then they got to – sweep Tennessee and they got to they're the ones who got to beat Tennessee it's not that way anymore you know Tennessee has to knock us off and it's going to be a lot harder for them to do it because they're going to be on the road they're going to have Malik Willis starting most likely um, almost pretty much guaranteed at this point and that's the way it's going to be so I'm thrilled about it it's great I agree I think a lot of it's momentum based and I think Jacksonville's been carrying a new swagger since week nine. Uh, Trevor Lawrence playing at a high level. Offense has been picking it up. Big players like Ingram stepping up. And I think the Titans have had the wind sucked out of their sails for a while now. So not altogether surprised uh, Jacksonville took over the lead of the division before they faced the Titans again in the rematch. Yeah, I think what really killed the Titans at the end of the day was when Jacksonville went up there and beat them. I think it showed a lot, and it showed that, quite frankly, this division is not just going to be given to them every year. You know, that time's over. Um, it's going to be very different for the next few years. You know, I, it could be competitive next year. We'll talk about that today and, you know, kind of who we fear the most in the future. But it's very clear Jacksonville's the favorite right now. They're probably going to be the favorite next year without something insane happening to one of these teams. Um, it's a good time to be a Jaguars fan. So Very much so. Yeah, with that, we're going to go ahead and we're going to start talking about everything around the NFL and do our weekly recap. Um, first thing, it's still kind of Jaguars related, but there's a game against uh, the New York Jets. I almost forgot it happened, honestly, with how boring it was. But It was a very forgettable game. It was really forgettable, but... I think the one thing that people will not forget from this game is the end of Zach Wilson. Um, We saw him put up a really bad game. He just, man, he did not look the part of an NFL quarterback. He can't hit receivers. He's just like every deep shot is into like triple coverage. He just looks lost. And you can clearly see that the Jets don't fight for this guy. They don't feel bad when he gets sacked. They don't feel bad when they're not putting in a 100% effort for him because they don't believe in him. And the guy has no accountability. 
He can't take blame for anything that's going on. He's just sitting on the sidelines smiling. The whole game, they show that, gosh, like 50 times throughout the broadcast, him just hanging out, talking to friends on the sidelines. Well, you know, uh, Strevler takes his job. You know, it's it's just uh, it's really disappointing. And I feel terrible for Jets fans because there are so many good players at the top of that draft. And what they should have done from the get go was to go get fields and, you know, choose the right quarterback, choose the clear, obvious second best quarterback. But they bought into the hype like everyone else and they chose Sam Darnold 2.0. Yeah, I think Sam Darnold would be a good comparison for Zach Wilson, honestly. I'm going to stop short of saying that his career is over, however. If you look at some of the current starting quarterbacks in the NFL, like Sam Darnold, David Mills, Geno Smith, Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, Brock Purdy, Trace McSorley, like it makes me think of that scene in Dumb and Dumber where he's saying, so you're telling me there's a chance. So I feel Zach Wilson could land with another team. I think the fans will riot and maybe have a full-scale mutiny if he steps back into MetLife Stadium, unless he steps back in as a member of the team that the Jets are playing. Then in that case, they may not riot. Maybe they'll like boo him or something, but I don't, I don't see the pitchforks and the, you know, the torches coming out. I think they'll be cheering because they know the offense on the air side won't be able to score more than three points. So that'll be good. Probably. On- that's, honestly, like a, that's like another bye week. It really is. But in all honesty, what team do you think would even give him a chance? Is there one out there? He's not even being activated this week. He is not good enough to even be activated to the roster. That means like that if they had injuries, they would start like their punter at quarterback over Zach Wilson. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of (laughs) hard. Like. You were saying, what, what's the quarterback's name that replaced him? How do you pronounce that? Uh, Chris Streveler. Streveler. He was like a, what, their fourth round guy? Like a, basically a run first gadget kind of quarterback? He was, uh, he's a quarterback That's... from the CFL. He's from Canada. Um, oh my. He was apparently popular up there, but yeah, I don't know if he can throw the ball more than 15 yards based off what I saw on Thursday. Yeah. Zach Wilson could very well be next, the next Johnny Manziel because Manziel's career went a very similar direction to what his is going right now. So, I mean, kind of sad to see. I didn't root against the guy. Maybe yeah. if he'd uh, grown for gone over 40 on more of his throws, might have had a chance, personal shots aside. I think the guy has a chance in the future. I don't know with what team. There's always injuries and things that happen. 32 different teams in the league, several journeymen. I mean, look at like Blaine Gabbert. He's been around forever. Probably shouldn't even have a backup job, but he's on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. So I don't know. I'm not going to say it's ever yet. Yeah. And maybe he's the next Geno Smith, man. I'm sure you're holding that hope for that, knowing you're a Gabbert fan. <laughs> 10 years. To, just give him 10 years, a decade. Yeah. He just needed to He'll get it together. He'll be fine. I, yeah. yeah, you really wonder what the Jets do at quarterback now for the next season. Because I think Mike White makes sense, but I think that um, experiment would end pretty fast in the season. It's sort of similar to like how Heineke got – I think he was benched on Saturday or Sunday when he was playing. Because I know Carson Wentz stepped in again, 
I just yep. I don't see White being the guy. I think it's it's sort of like a low grade version of Minshew, where you think you got something, and in reality, it's it's not really your future. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't I don't know. I mean, hey, uh, maybe Tom Brady <laughs> comes to the, <laughs> the New York Jets, but. I don't I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he wants to step foot near that organization. I mean, it'd, it'd be quite the battle of uh, you know, the team that ruins quarterbacks and the best quarterback of all time, you know. I it really you wonder if they could ruin Tom Brady. Uh, they they'll certainly give it a shot. Yeah, they'll do their best. <laughs> yeah, so uh if any Jets fans are listening, we feel bad for you guys. No hard feelings. Sorry about Thursday. We hope you yeah, guys you guys this season basically went reverse of ours. Yeah, it really did, and I I felt like it was early on. It it just didn't feel like the Jets had a better rebuild. Like they did better on defense, but they missed the two biggest things. They didn't get an offensive minded head coach, and they didn't get a really dang good quarterback. And what are you going to do with that? Like, I don't hate Robert Sala, but is he going to be able to bring in a quarterback? Because he might not know what he's looking for. He might not have the staff to find a quarterback. So now you kind of wonder about that. And even if he's good at everything else, which people have questions about his play calling, I don't know if that's good enough. But uh, yeah, that's where the Jets are. And we're thankful we're not there. But hey, it could be worse. Because he could be the Broncos, who just fired Nathaniel Hackett after 15 games. And now he's the second uh, head coach in the last 40 years to be fired in less than a season. You want to take a guess at who the other one was? It's a really easy question. Oh, is it the one that shall not be named? Yeah, that guy. The he shall shall not be named. Yeah, we won't name uh, name his name on the show. That won't happen. But, yeah, it was uh, two games longer that he lasted. And what's crazy about this to me is that even though, like, he who shall not be named seemingly did more damage to the Jaguars, I think it's going to take, when you compare, like, how long it took Jacksonville to get out of it, which was really fast, in all fairness, because we're competing for the playoffs right now, in the first year of our new head coach. But I think the damage that Nathaniel Hackett has done to that organization, especially with the Russell Wilson contract, which is not all his fault, to be fair. There are other people involved in that. I I don't see how you could be a Broncos fan and have any hope for football until like maybe three years from now. Then you can start the rebuild. My friend Lucas will never give up his hope on the Broncos. He is just committed at this point. Yeah, honestly, if He's I was like, like the fan that I aspire to be. <laughs> yeah, you really got to have a lot of faith to believe in that organization right now. But if I was the Broncos and laugh at me if you want, I would dead ass, no joke. I would release Russell Wilson at the end of this year, I would take like the $200 million or whatever of a dead cap. And I would just trade away the whole roster. I would just get rid of them all. 
just sign a bunch of practice squad players, trade away all the picks for this next year because you couldn't even afford that cap space. Get all practice squad guys. Go lose every game. Draft a quarterback the next year. I think there's a, a good name coming out. Have like 50 picks in the NFL draft. Build your whole roster from that. They don't even have a first round <laughs> pick this next year. That's the crazy thing. Like they got no quarterback. Oh, they, they don't no even. They, they wouldn't even yeah. have that pick. Yeah, they couldn't yeah. even do that. Yeah, they I mean, got they would no have quarterback. To bundle picks together. It, no first it's round crazy. Pick, no coach, nothing. Yeah, so they're in some trouble. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about like how bad the Rams situation is right now, but it doesn't even compare. And of course, right? the Rams blew them out on Sunday. But I don't I don't know what you can do. I mean, I didn't even think about that, that they don't even have that first overall pick they would get. But yeah, props to Seattle for uh, robbing a man blind because I don't think you could describe that trade in any other way. I think it makes Herschel Walker look like a joke. And I think that will still be the opinion, you know, years from now, in all honesty. Could be. Yeah. So you, did, you want a trivia question for uh, Nathaniel Hackett? Sure. An interesting one. You want to know who the first team to interview him twice was this year? I think it was the Jaguars. It was. I could yeah. have been us. <laughs> it could have been, been us. So bad. With, we already were the us last year because we got Urban Meyer. And oops, damn, we also I interviewed. Name. We also interviewed Bill O'Brien. So like, yeah. I'm just not a blessing from God that we got Doug Peterson because that clearly was divine intervention. We got that man and our franchise is going to be in good hands for years to come with him. Yeah, we we got so lucky this offseason in all all honesty. You know, there's I can credit Doug Peterson. I can credit Trevor Lawrence. Um, but even like Trent Balky, it's hard to credit because he wanted to interview Bill O'Brien. You know, he mm -hmm. wanted to bring him in after everything he did to blow up the air team. I couldn't even imagine how bad of a combo that would have been between the GM and the head coach if that came through. I think it's worked out great with Doug, and I like Balky now, but um, it I think could have been bad. I think Balky is coming to the realization that if things hadn't have gone the way that they've gone recently that he'd probably be out of a job like there would be he must have had some great black blackmail material for shot Khan over the offseason because every fan was chanting his name dressing up as clowns wanting him out and now he's post game celebrating and clapping players on the back in the locker room and yelling at uh christian kirk and getting all excited uh i think it was christian and zay were like yelling at him and like bear hugging him which was cool to see but you just think of how that could have gone so differently if they had chosen wrong again for the second time in a row. So lucky it, for him, it, he'll never have to worry about that. So I would take yeah. it and run with it. It wasn't even just Hackett, though. That's what gets even crazier about it. It was yeah. not just missing Nathaniel Hackett, but it was missing Byron Leftwich, too. Yeah, I mean, Byron Leftwich might not even keep his job as an offensive coordinator after this year. That is how bad he has done in Tampa with Tom Brady. He might not even be back in that job. He was the guy we were going to hire. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett, we were really close to hiring and then the Broncos stole him. And then we were going to get Byron Leftwich, And then he turned down the job 
because they didn't want to bring in Adrian Wilson as the GM because they were dead set on keeping bulky. So like shot cons love for Trent bulky actually saved this team at the end of the day. That's what kept us alive. As like the craziest plot twist of all time right there. Yeah. And I don't even think he was in the right for that. Like I, we could have got a better GM to mm-hmm. start here, but it's crazy to think that like that, um, the stupidity involved in that to not even consider another GM for the job after those years is the only thing that saved the Jaguars. And we just got to be so thankful for that because quite frankly, this organization, I don't know if you could say they deserve to be in the place they are right now. They got very, very lucky. There's now, people if you're there saying the pain and suffering made them deserve it. Sure. They, they definitely deserve it in that regard. The front office, I think you could argue a little more whether they deserve it or not. I think that they're going to be the beneficiaries of it and that that's going to move them to take their jobs more seriously and the team will be better for it in the long run. That's that's what I think. Yeah, and some teams just – well, sorry, not some. Pretty much every team locks into some players too. They lock into some hires, like the Patriots, for example. Do you think they were seriously looking at Tom Brady in the sixth round and thought, oh, this guy is a future Hall of Famer who's going to win six Super Bowls for us. Let's go get him in the sixth round. No, of course they weren't. If they thought about him that way, they would have picked him in the first round. So, yeah, I mean, there's luck involved in some of this. And the Jaguars, as unlucky as they've seemed the last few years, they have had the big things go right. And that's why this team is where it is right now and why this team could go far in the playoffs this year after being worst in the league last year. Yes. Going back to the Tom Brady subject, only back then did Tom Brady know that one day he would become Tom Brady. So I just had to throw that out there. Also, the beautiful part of that story, I believe it was the day after he got drafted by New England, he met with Robert Kraft and he told him, that he's the sixth round pick from the prior night's draft and Robert Kraft basically didn't think anything of it. And he said, I'm the best damn choice this organization ever made. And that was true. Yep. I remember you saying that to me before. Yep. And cool story. A lot of, a lot of players will say that stuff, but yeah, he definitely backed it up, but it's crazy to think of how lucky this organization is. And you know, we just got to enjoy it as fans because we haven't had much to enjoy. But it's it's a really good time right now, and it's only going to get better. You know, we might have divisional competitors in the future. Other teams will rise up from the ashes, but Jacksonville is in a fantastic place right now. And I think it's very fair to say that this team should be competing in a Super Bowl pretty soon. You know, maybe very not soon. this year, but it, I think it's going to be pretty soon. Um, other topics from this last week, Detroit started the season one and six, and now they went on a six and one streak to get seven and seven and they choked against the Panthers after that huge run just to get back in it. They choked. And now the Panthers after beating them are one game behind Tampa still. And you want to take a guess who they play this week? That would be Tampa. Yeah. They're playing probably for the division title. 
this yep. week. As crazy yep. as it is, I've never seen a team um, essentially be the first to go into a rebuild in the season and then end up competing for the division title. And if they win it, if they do that, they would knock off Tom Brady to do it. Just to think of how insane that is. But, you know, the that's a story in this. But for the Lions, I mean, that has to be heartbreaking to go that far to go that long with that many wins and to come up short. I mean, it would be like if Jacksonville lost to Tennessee. Hopefully that is not foreshadowing. I don't think it is, to be very clear. But uh, that would be the equivalent of it. For the Lions to have dropped that game, they just they shouldn't have lost. And, and now they're sitting on the outside by far. Their playoff chances are much lower. Green Bay is arguably more competitive right now. Um, Green Bay just it had just doesn't look four good. scenarios that they needed to pan out. Pan out. Not only that, they beat the Dolphins on top of it to keep their playoff hopes alive. And now all they're looking at is winning out. They have to win out to make the playoffs for sure. But they also have two more scenarios that need to happen. They need the Commanders to drop a game or they need the Giants to lose two games. But with Detroit just coughing one up against the Panthers, I would say Green Bay beating a team like Miami would put the momentum in their camp. And Aaron Rodgers is lackluster of a season he's had. He has the playoff experience, and he, I'm sure he's got the capability, you know, to bring his team to the playoffs when it's crunch time. Yeah, I think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, I honestly, do I uh Probably once every month or so, I sit down, I just predict the games for the rest of the year, and it's kind of fun to do because you can look back at and see if you were right or wrong. And uh, the last time I did it, you know, I just kind of went through them the way I thought they would pan out, and Green Bay was the seventh seed. It's not very unlikely that they make the playoffs. And now they're, I think they're at like a 37% chance last time I checked. But I didn't they're check right the there. Percentage. It's something like that. And they were at like three the other day. The best part so about it's sort of similar to Jacksonville. Definitely. The best part about uh Green Bay's win was uh I think it's Jer Alexander, his interview after the game. Go watch that if you I haven't watched that because it was comical. I watched <laughs> it, yeah, it was good. It was like a little kid on an airplane for the first time. That was like what I was watching. <laughs> yeah, he he was fun to listen to. I've never heard him talk before, but yeah, he he was uh he was a good interview to have after the game. For sure. Um I think you're talking about like all these teams having to lose. That was across the board pretty much with all of the competitors right now who are trying to make the playoffs. Did did you notice that? Like you, the Chargers won, yep. but the Dolphins lost, the Jets lost, the Patriots lost. And then the three teams you mentioned lost in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Like there were just a ton of teams that lost. Titans lost. Yep. Um, I guess I don't know what that would be attributed to. I guess better teams being them or bad teams beating them. But there's going to be a lot of oh, more than usual um, for the amount of playoff contenders that don't have a five haired record. Or much better than that. Like I think Jacksonville gets nine and eight, but Tampa, they might get in at eight and nine. 
and then you got the uh, man. I mean, maybe Jacksonville the is now the best the team Steelers. in Florida. They are. They've been the best team in Florida for a while now, in my opinion. The the Dolphins have been on a losing streak. The Buccaneers are so clearly about to explode because I'm sorry, Brady's not staying there. I, I just, just had to I say it that way that. because I needed to hear myself say that Jacksonville was the best team in Florida. I'm still getting used to it. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Well, you're you're gonna be used to it for a while. Oh yes. With the way things are. Fifteen looking. to twenty. And now years. Tua's out. Yeah, Tua got injured again. I have uh, an idea after this game. I have an idea as to who will take his place, and I'll tell you later when we get to that part. Oh, I already know the answer, but yeah, I'll just pretend I don't. Okay. Um <laughs> Yeah, so that's kind of the the big things we took out of this last week. Um, but there's just a lot of craziness, a lot of teams disappointing. Um, the Wilson quarterbacks, mm-hmm. you know, you definitely don't want that last name if you're an NFL player <laughs> right now. <laughs> but yeah, we'll uh, we'll go ahead. We've talked a little bit about Jacksonville, but we'll just go ahead and we'll move into that fully, and we'll talk about all things Duval. So. I've got three things I want to talk about today. And the first thing is the big question people have been talking about. Pretty much everyone's been asked this. Everyone's given their opinion. People like to give their opinions, if you didn't know. That's um, a favorite pastime. That's a thing. When we're not at work. Go on Facebook and say how I feel about every subject in the world and pretend people care. Uh, that's technically what we're doing right now. But <laughs> um, the the big question this week has been if the Jaguars should rest their starters against the Texans. And I, I think the answer to that is already made very clearly, especially because the Jaguars still have a chance to make it in on the seventh seed if they lose against the Titans. Or, um, yeah, it would be against the Titans. That's the only way they could be the seventh seed. But um, how do you feel about that? I don't see it happening. Uh, I think the coaching staff and the players have said over and over that every game they're treating like a lifeline lifeline game to keep their playoff hopes alive. Um, I think it's crucial to building momentum. I mean, they already have a wave of momentum, but keeping the group together and in every game together, you know, until the wild card round gets here where we can host a playoff game, I think it's crucial to keep that momentum going forward. And I expect the Texans to play us really hard. I mean, that's what they do whenever they're post-death at the end of the season. They meet up with all these teams, like the Chiefs or the Cowboys the last few weeks, and then they're like, you know what? I think we'll actually show up and try it this one. You know, it's like it's kind of like what Miami used to do to the Patriots the second time they faced them every year. It's like just circle that one on the calendar, play as hard as you can, and try and steal a win. Like, they got nothing to lose at this point. They probably got the first pick in the draft, you know? They got nothing. Um, nothing. Well, they're the disruptor factor. Well, 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 that is a topic to talk about because the Texans, if they beat us on Sunday, they do not hold the first overall pick anymore. Oh, unless the Bears win, they would lose it. And I just want to run a scenario by you really quick. The and this would be good for the AFC South, by the way, in terms of what we want. Um, say the Texans either upset us this weekend or they beat the Colts in week 18, which I think that will happen. I think they're going to win that last game. Mm-hmm. Um, 
If they do that and the Bears lose out, which I'll actually look up the Bears' schedule as uh, we're talking about this. Okay, the Bears play the Lions and the Vikings. Okay, um, so they're probably the Bears losing both those games. Are losing out. Yeah. Yeah. They're not winning those. The Bears could control the first overall pick in this draft while having a franchise quarterback and be able to trade that to anyone who wants it. Anyone in the NFL. Think about how crazy that could get. That could it might get not be the Texans holding on to it. And you kind of wonder if the Texans do anything to like secure that. You know what I'm saying? Like where they don't win these games. They deliberately but at the same time, I don't think they will. I think they're going to try to win these games. I think that, man, that's hard because Chicago gets into first place in the draft. Then I don't think Houston's going to move up to trade with them. You see Bryce Young going to Houston in just about every mock draft there is. I would say it really depends on who they want at quarterback if they feel there's more than just Bryce Young that they could. I mean, you still got the offseason, the combine. CJ Stroud. Yeah, there's tons of uh, Will Levis. I mean, there's lots of guys out there that they could have their eyes on that we don't know about. And their mind will probably change a million times before draft night in April. So it's hard to say. I, I do think that they'll come out and try to win. But I it's got to be at least in the back of their mind the scenario where Chicago gets the, uh, the first pick from them. I hope it happens. I really do. I think that would make the draft so much more interesting. This is this why. Next year. And of course, we don't want the division to have the Kings ransom, the big choice of whatever quarterback they want for the future, because the Texans could get scary foreshadowing what we'll talk about at the end of the segment. Um, they could get scary if they get the right quarterback. This is why I feel like they should get rid of the pro bowl and replace it with a game between the two worst teams and whoever wins gets the first draft pick. Because imagine if you will, just how interesting that would be to watch and entertaining. I mean, straight up, I, I would watch it. I'm not even a fan of other team. So, I mean, I'm just saying. I, I would watch it, too. The only thing is that it would defeat the purpose of what the first overall pick is supposed to be. That's true. And it's a pick that's awarded to the worst team in the NFL. So, it should be awarded to whoever would lose that game. If it was awarded to whoever lost that game, and that game had no bearing on the standings or anything, or the success that year, both teams would try to lose that game and it would just be a laughing fest. No, I think the winner, so, the winner of the game yeah. should get the first pick. That's how I would like I it. I just don't think that that defeats the purpose of the first pick in my opinion. I gotcha. But you could also look at like, I think the NBA uh, style is like a lottery of whichever, or no, that's a, uh, well, the NBA is random overall. If I remember correctly, I might be wrong on all this. So if I am, please don't make fun of me. Um, the MLB, I think it's like so many teams get um, thrown into, you know, a bucket or whatever, and then whichever gets pulled out is the first pick. And it's like 10 or however many of the absolute worst teams from the year. Like, I know we talk about the Royals a lot because uh, we live near Kansas City, and that's personally my favorite MLB team. Mm. They uh, they've just gotten lucky because they've never really got the first pick from that, <laughs> even when they've been the worst team. Mm -hmm. So 
you could look at a different style like that, but I kind of mm-hmm. like ours. Um, it's almost like I would support it because we got Trevor Lawrence out of it, but I don't know, you know, maybe I'm biased. Could be. But, yeah. Um, my opinion though, on the resting starters, I don't think we should. Um, I think, you know, the, it's two different, you got two different questions. Are they going to, no, that's very clear. They're not going to rest starters, but should they? I also think that's a no. Um, they have a chance to make the wild card on the seventh seed. They need to um, do what they can to where if the last game goes wrong, they still got a shot to make it in, you know, even if that's not how you plan to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the last big streak. The Jaguars need to break. Yes. They broke a lot of things this year. Eight straight losses to the Texans right now. So that one's about nine. to end. Is it nine? It's not eight. It's it's nine. It's nine. Yeah, it's nine after the uh, the first game this year, I believe. It might. Uh, I might be wrong on that. It might. It's like nine or ten, something crazy. Um, but the uh, the Jaguars need to win this game. They broke the streak against the Chargers of losing on the West Coast. They had never beat them on the West Coast. They won out there. Mm-hmm. They hadn't won a road game in so long. They won a road game. Um, they beat an NFC opponent. They beat the Titans in Nashville. They've done all these things to prove that they're not the old Jaguars. And the last one on that list, in my opinion, is beating the Texans. Yes. And I think this is your opportunity. You know, go prove it right before you go to the playoffs. We aren't talking about the past. We aren't who we used to be. That's all gone. We're a new team. You know, I don't want to be like the Lions where, oh, man, we look kind of new, but we also choked this game against Carolina and now we might not make the playoffs. And there's questions about whether we're the same old Lions, you know, or for us, the same old Jaguars. So I would prefer not to bench people. I think if you've got a player that you're worried about the health of and it's kind of questionable, yeah, sit them. Let him get healthy for that last game. That's a smart decision, but that's about the extent I would take. I would agree with that. Yeah. Well, the next uh, question I've got, um, obviously we love Doug Peterson. I don't know of any fan who doesn't right now. I have yet to see that take. It's kind of a good guy. Um, I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah, there's, it's almost like there's multiple things to like about him it's almost as a like, person and as a coach. It's almost like he's the savior of our franchise. I might be over-exaggerating yeah, much. yeah, so with how he's played this year, or how he's uh, called plays as a head coach and what he's done in Jacksonville, it, assuming they make the playoffs, they finish this out, do you think that Doug Peterson, out of every coach in the NFL, all 32, should be the coach of the year? Right now, yes, and I've thought so most of this year, even when they had their five-game losing streak. In fact, the only coach that I felt really came close or was competitive with him was Mike McDaniels, but since Mike McDaniels decided to wear that I wish it was colder shirt, his team's gone 0-4 since he wore it. Yeah, He should probably like burn that shirt because he cursed his team, and the Dolphins might actually miss the playoffs now, and this is just a Another guess, but I think Tom Brady might be their quarterback next year. But back to Doug Peterson, 
Wow, I would have I would have never guessed you would say it. I know. It's like Man. a total surprise. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like they talked to him over the last offseason and tried to try to get him in that way. Did they lose a first over like a first round pick because of that? Yeah, something like that. It's the <laughs> Dolphins. They they just make it up as they go. But back to yeah. Doug Peterson. He has just shown complete and total poise. He's got control of the team. He has not panicked. I mean, a lot of coaches, once their team's going two and six, they're probably panicking, thinking about their job. But he continues to show those players, the Jaguars players, that he believes in them. You know, that this isn't an overnight fix. He has stuck by their side, encouraged them, rallied around them, and, you know, gotten them to believe in themselves. It completely shifted the team's identity. So to go from two and six to eight and eight, is a clear testament to his hard work, his game planning, and his attitude. You got guys that are having career years, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Trevor Lawrence, that Doug Peterson has completely fixed in terms of their confidence. And Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram, yes, I forgot about him, I'm sorry. Uh, but no doubt, Doug Peterson's the favorite right now. And that's not just my biased opinion. That that I think a lot of people can see that argument and they, it would make them. If the NFL was fair, he would run away with this. 100%. Yes. There should be no doubt that he should run away with it. But he will not win it. Because they will choose a big name. They're going to choose a guy from the NFC East, probably. It will probably be Brian Dable. Or, or sorry, Dable. Or it will be Nick Sirianni. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they'll do that is because they'll say, well, we lo- Giants are a bigger market. And... They went to the playoffs. They had a great season overall the whole year. And they had a better record than Jacksonville. And if it's the Eagles, they'll just say, well, they beat them. And they were like probably 15-2 and two, or 14-3 and three to finish the year, whatever they finish at. Mm-hmm. Um, that will probably be the argument they make. But in my mind, there should be absolutely no doubt that Doug Peterson is the coach of the year because he took over a locker room that had no faith in the staff surrounding them at all. No faith in anyone. They thought this franchise was cursed. I mean, it was the worst time in Jacksonville history out of this year, the year that passed. Um, What Urban Meyer did to this team was worse than what any other head coach has ever done in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the opinions of a lot of people. He took over a team like that, a team that went three and 14 and he has them at full buy-in. Every single player on this team believes in him. He doesn't lie. He's straight about the things he says, the things that he claims that we may think are full of crap have come true. That this team is good enough to make the playoffs. Are they on the verge of making the playoffs right now? Yes. He said when they came from the bye that it was a new season and that they still had a path to the playoffs. He said it a different way, but that was essentially the point of what he said. And he said all their goals are in front of them. I think that's the way he worded it. And sure enough, they're 4-1 and one after the bye. They're one game away from getting back to five hired and they're leading the AFC South and they have all of the momentum in the division. I look at that 
And there is no way in my mind I could consider any other head coach as being better this year. I would definitely I think if to like agree. Yeah, now if Seattle had like went 12 and 5 or something, sure, make an argument there. But I think when you're talking about what they're working from, the players' careers that have been revitalized here. I mean, Rayshon Jenkins is even another name you can throw out on that list. Is a guy that, quite frankly, at the beginning of this year, I thought of him as, oh, he'll be okay, and then we'll cut him after this year. I don't like the way he talks. I don't like his attitude. I don't like the way he acted last year. I thought he was childish. Like, I had a lot of negative opinions of him. He is a completely different guy He's now. completely grown up. And it's almost like it's because of coaching, and he said it himself. He, they asked him, what's the big change this year? What's what's helped your game? Coaching. One of the biggest things. One word answer. One of the biggest things that I think more than one player on the team said after the Jets win was, um, I remember Trevor said it, you know, it's not about yards. It's not about your stats. Nobody's thinking about that in terms of themselves. And just, you know, there's no I in team. It's a team mentality and everyone has meshed and come together to drive the Jaguars forward. And I think that's the change. I think Rayshon has bought into that. And I just think there's no doubt this is a completely different team than the one that was run last year. I think that's why Doug Peterson is so deserving of coach of the year. Sirianni is a great coach. There is no doubt that what the Eagles have accomplished this year coming off of uh, last year is, I mean, that's straight up like another Zach Taylor type of story. But I think with where the Jaguars were last year being the worst team in the league, and coming all the way back from a roller coaster season where you had a five game like streak of losses to come back to probably finishing nine and eight and hosting a wild card a wild card game in your home stadium, like no question, that's that's coach of the year material right there, and that beats Sirianni, McDaniel, Taylor, and any of those other coaches out there. I just I, I don't see an argument that's strong enough to put someone in front of Peterson for that position. Yeah, he's just not going to get the credit he deserves, unfortunately. it's. I think the writing on the wall is the fact that the Jaguars were one of the only two teams in the NFL to not have a single player in the Pro Bowl again. In the middle of the run they're making right now, with players playing their best football, they could not get a single person into the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. And, I, and then there's the crazy story about... Um, the backup for the Ravens being an alternate that really questions whether the whole process is even legit in the first place. How a Lewicon and Sin Campbell didn't make it in. That's beyond me. I mean, I insane. I just absolutely. What are insanity. you choosing from? Like, I just, I don't even, what's the process? Like that's, that's insane. How did, how did Evan Ingram not make it in as like the third tight end? I mean, he's been better than Mark Andrews, uh, arguably. Ravens um, quarterback right now, Tyler Huntley, the one that replaced Lamar after he went down, he was yeah. an alternate, alternate ahead of uh, Trevor Lawrence. You know, it's like, I know Lawrence is They might as been, well vote in Malik Willis as the number one guy. I know in the early part of the season, there was inconsistencies with Lawrence, but he's played as an elite quarterback since week nine, the best quarterback in the league statistically. And QB rating wise, I mean, he's thrown less interceptions and an even amount or more touchdowns than some of the most elite quarterbacks in the league. 
So like, so th- I just, it's so, I don't want to say biased, but it just sounds like there's something fishy about the process. Like it's, like it's rigged. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It, it is to some extent. And a lot of it is the mark, like fans can vote and then some markets are bigger and they just vote in their people. Yeah. And then fans want to do dumb stuff and people hate the Jaguars. It's just the simple truth. People hate this franchise. I don't know why, but I find it like everywhere I go, people detest it. Like you find most people are like okay with the Jets. Like they feel bad for the fans. They they want to see them do all right. They're okay supporting. They feel the same way about the Lions. But the Jaguars, it's like, oh, we need them to be the 32nd best team again. We want them to pick first overall and then pick up a bust. And we want the team to move to London, you know. And it just, it's obnoxious. I mean, anytime I go out where I live and wear, like, Jacksonville gear, like, someone says something to me. Like, someone says something mm-hmm. rude. It's like, I don't get why, but people hate him. We, so we need more. Nick. Quite frankly, we see that in the, uh, the choosing of like, you know, pro bowl players and coach of the year and all that. Uh, I think we will see it in coach of the year. We need more Nick Wrights in the NFL yeah. media. I'm just saying that guy's like probably my favorite right now. And he's a Kansas city chiefs fan, but even he knows that he knows talent when he sees it or what someone's capable of, or, you know, the ceiling that they probably have. It's like, but there's just so many people committed to not giving them that respect. And it makes no sense because every season's a new season. You know, look at how many teams have been dungeon teams for the last number of years that, you know, like the Jets or the Dolphins or even the Bills, you know, like years ago, like all of them have, have risen from the ashes and are good teams now. Well, some of them are problematic more so than others, but you get what I'm saying. It's like that could happen to the yeah. Jaguars. There's nothing out there that says that it can't. So I I don't think the NFL's ready for what Jacksonville is about to bring to the table. And I think they're gonna run the table in their division for the next fifteen years. I'm that confident about them. I see a lot of potential there. Yeah. I don't know about 15 straight, but they're going to be winning the majority of them over the next 15 years, unless one of these other franchises strikes gold. I'm not saying every um, year, we'll but I'm saying they're going to be with that conversation for the section. I was just saying they're going to be the best team consistently there. They should be. I think out of the teams that are in the AFC South, like the one that scares me the most right now is probably Houston just because they've owned us the most and they're the only team that's actually got a rebuild going for a while Mm now. Problem with Houston is still that the talent isn't really there to go to the playoffs, but they're also going to have draft picks this off season to where they could like just hit a quarterback wide receiver duo. That's absolutely nuts. I mean, they could get Bryce young and Quinn and Johnston in the same draft and see both of those players be great in the NFL. You know, like there, there's a path for them to be really competitive next year. The Titans, I think are going to be entering a, an at least partial rebuild after this year. I think they have to, they're not going to win the division with the team they have right now. And the Colts, I actually think they've honestly destroyed their culture there. I think they killed it. The last five years, what they've done since since Andrew Luck, I think they have 
absolutely murdered the culture in Indianapolis. And I don't think they're going to be a really good team for a while. I think the Vikings loss the was the probably division, rock one that bottom. probably has the least hope. That was bad. That was really bad. But I just think what they've done with the short-term solutions that don't work out, they've they've killed their team. And I don't think they're going to do much for a while. But, yeah, with, uh, with that said, we're going to go ahead, and we've already talked a little bit about the Texans in this upcoming week, but we'll go ahead and hop into the week to come. Um, Jacksonville is going to be hanging out to Houston. Uh, it'll be a road game this time. They've faced Houston once this year. They lost 13 to six. It was probably, uh, I think it's arguably the most embarrassing game this year. The only one it could be behind is Detroit, but it was the Tony Baselli ring game where he was honored as an inductee of the hall of fame. Houston stole Baselli from us mm-hmm. in like 2000 and they came in and beat Jacksonville and started off a really bad streak of football for this team that nearly killed them on the year. Um, what they did in week five was just embarrassing yeah. for this organization. And I'm sure that those players remember that. And I think with them learning a little more about the history of the Jaguars too, I think that they're really going to want this game bad. I think they're going to want it a lot more than Houston. Yeah, that's not exactly the best way to honor your franchise's first Hall of Fame inductee to lose to Houston. But you know what? Jacksonville has had several milestones they've overcome these last few weeks, and they have a wave of momentum right now and playoff hopes that are clearly alive. So I would say my, my prediction for the game, I think, is that it's close through the first half, and I think Jacksonville pulls away in the second. I think... There's several keys, which I don't know if you want to talk about that now or later. Are you doing that later? We'll do that at the very end. All right, so I'll leave that out. But that's that's how I foresee the game going. <laughs> yeah, I I think it could be close for a while, and they pull away. I could also see Jacksonville just straight up blowing them out. I'm not going to predict that, but I think that's on the table. Mm-hmm. Because it just feels like they're due for that. Like it feels like they're sick of this and they want it to end. And I think that week five is still very fresh in their memories. And the Texans also, you know, there might be questions about whether they want to win this game, at least to some extent. I think they're going to decide they want to. I think they're going to do everything they can to win still, but I think they're still going to be questioning it. And I think they're going to be on a bit of a high Mm -hmm. after knocking out the Titans. So I think that the Jaguars will win this. You've also got Damian Pierce out this time, who, by the way, was literally their entire offense the last time they played us. It was just Damian Pierce breaking tackles. Pierce get injured? That's the only reason why they got on the board. Yeah, Pierce has been out for a while. I didn't hear about that. Yeah, Rex Burkhead is leading their backfield. Unless I'm missing um, a random undrafted free agent. You know, that was the running back. But it's Rex That was Burkhead. the running back that sealed the Chiefs' fate in the 2019 AFC Championship game. Talk yeah. about highs and lows for yeah, a career, Gri- man. <laughs> Griffin reminded me of that the other day. Um, so if he listens to this, he probably just ruined his day. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he he's that guy. 
I I think this is going to be a good game though. I think they're going to show up. I think they're going to take care of business. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just going to be better prepared for this game. They're in a much better position. The mentality is way better. They are not going to be sleeping on definitely the not. I I just don't see that. If they sleep on the Texans again, of which they did before, Marvin Jones basically admitted that in his interview after the game then I'm going to go back to having some very serious questions about this franchise. But I don't think we're there. I think we're past that. Maybe Maybe the I coaching staff did, like, another video, like, compilation or something of, like, the Texans celebrating for, like, the last eight or nine times that they won against Jacksonville <laughs> and just making the players watch it over and over, just, like, torture, like, inside the room, just sitting in front of that screen. And they're just going to come out and they're just going to they come do. out and win, like, 60 to 3 or something. Be something nuts. I think, I think that would be great. The, this team needs to see that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all I've got to say on the game. You got any other notes on that or anything you want to discuss? No, I just got a lot of confidence. Jacksonville's going to win that one. Yeah, me too. Um, I could be dead wrong. <laughs> you know, they've lost them nine times in a row or however many. Um, that's definitely a topic and it makes it hard to choose jacksonville but jacksonville also went up in the nashville and beat the titans handily mm-hmm. so we know this team is capable of doing things that it has not in the division and i think this will be that final big one this year um so we'll go ahead we'll move on and we'll talk about some of the big games this week outside of the matchup against houston which to be fair maybe not the biggest game of the week I think it's more important to the franchise just in terms of what Houston has challenged us with. But I've got five games I want to talk about. First one's uh, Steelers and Ravens. The Ravens will be hosting this one. Um, they're not going to have Lamar Jackson for this, most likely. Um, only way he comes in is if he makes significant progress on his injury. How do you feel about that? Well, game? it sounds like there's not going to be any fans getting degraded on Twitter. Just throwing that out there. Sorry. Um... Even with a backup quarterback, yeah. I think the Ravens get this one. I'm not saying this is going to happen. Actually, it's definitely not going to happen. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. But technically, they're still in the hunt to win their division in the AFC North. So with that still being possibly or a possibility, which I'm not saying it's a possibility. I'm just saying according to NFL experts it is. I, it's hard to see them dropping that one, especially to a Steelers team that has looked lost most of the year. I think Kenny Pickett will develop into a good quarterback, but I think with his rookie season, it's pretty much over for the Steelers at this point. And I think they're, they said it, what, 7-8? and eight? So it's a pretty much the same record as Jackson. It is not over. Say what? Yeah, it's not over. They're 7-8, and eight. yeah. They're right the in The Steelers eight. are? Really? Yeah. I must not have looked at that one closely enough. Yeah, they're alive. I still see the Ravens winning it. Yeah. I'm taking the Steelers in this because the Ravens offense has been terrible recently. Uh, I think they did better this last week, but they can't do much when Lamar isn't on the field and the Steelers with Mike Tomlin have never had a season under 500. And yeah, they just got to lose one more game for that to happen for the first time, but they haven't. I think they were like four and eight at one point. They just keep winning games. It's not pretty. It doesn't look good. But they're still winning games. And I think that the Steelers are going to keep that alive this week. I think they're going to upset Baltimore. I think they're just going to kind of start putting things together. And 
I could see them sneaking in as the seventh seed in the AFC. It might be a two-way, three-way tie there at like nine and eight, but they're still alive and Baltimore's just not in a good spot right now. And I think after this week, we'll know that Jacksonville, if they make the playoffs, will either be hosting Baltimore or they'll be hosting the the, uh, Chargers. I gotcha. I don't see anyone catching the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals are in the talks for the number one seed right now in the AFC. I mean, they don't have it yet. Obviously, there's some stuff that has to happen for that to happen. But uh, between the Ravens and the Steelers, I guess I just saw the Ravens because uh, they've overall, with even with the Lamar going down, seemingly from what I've watched, had the better season. But you could be right. The Steelers could steal one. Yeah, that's what they do. They steal. That's, that's what the Steelers. Yes. Yeah, that's definitely what the name is. Um. The second game I want to talk about is the Patriots and Dolphins. Um, if the Dolphins had Tua, this could be a bit of a runaway. I still don't think it would be even with Tua, but Tua is going to be out for this game almost for sure, if not confirmed. And the Patriots are trying to stay alive. They're 7-8. and eight. They got Belichick. Um, this game could be very close, and it's probably going to determine – whether the Dolphins make the playoffs or not. So, in your opinion, who do you think is going to pull this one? Who's the Dolphins' backup quarterback? Teddy Bridgewater. Man. That's rough. Uh, I'm going to say if Tua doesn't start, I'm going to go Patriots. They had a pretty demoralizing loss against the Raiders on that play that they chucked to Chandler Jones. So, they're probably going to be like looking to redeem themselves or something. I don't know. But I would say Patriots if Tegavaloy is out. Um, if he's in, then I say Dolphins. Yeah, I'm taking Patriots in this one too. The Patriots, I believe, are on a little bit of a losing streak, but the Dolphins are on a four-game losing streak. They're probably not going to have Tua. I, I just think that the Patriots are, are going to pull this out. Plus, they got home field advantage. It's the winter, and uh, he – McDaniels has cursed his team during the winter. So I think they're about to go, what, 0-5 on the this part of the year? Yeah, yeah, it would be 0-5 if the Dolphins lose this next game. Yeah, and, and they're the masters of being, like, either 7th or 8th mm-hmm. best at the end of the year, barely missing the playoffs, you know, depending on whether it was six teams in the playoffs or seven. You know, I remember a lot of years of watching football – seeing them right there, and then they don't make it in. But they've got all this hype for the next year. They're going to do it, and then they don't do it. Um, It seems like a very common occurrence. So I think the Patriots will pull this out. Now, let's move on to what is easily the biggest game of the week. The Bengals and the Bills. Cincinnati is hosting this um, huge game because of the Bills win. They hold on to the first seed, and they probably finish with it. I don't remember who they play the final week. Probably the Patriots. But the Bills would pretty much guarantee that they would be hosting all their playoff games. And that is a huge deal for them to be able to do that. So this is big for them. But at the same time, the Bengals could still win the first seed if they beat the Bills and the Chiefs drop to either Denver or Las Vegas. And I think that's possible. 
I'm not necessarily predicting it, but I think they could drop that last game, mm-hmm. and the Bengals could be the first seed at the end of the day. So who do you got? But the Bengals have won their last seven, and Buffalo has won their last six. Someone has to lose this game. Technically, they could tie, but I don't see that happening. Actually, I think that's a highly unlikely Please, scenario. No. That would really throw everything up in the air if that if that were to happen. I'm going to say the Bengals. They're at home. Uh, I think a lot of more people have been talking about Joe Burrow having that it factor. I think Josh Allen definitely has it too. But I think it's going to be insanely close. I just have a feeling that Cincinnati is going to find a way to win. Because, I mean, Cincinnati's beat Kansas City in their last three matchups with them. Kansas City's a great team. You know, Buffalo's also a very well-put-together, well-coached team. But I think the Bengals just have just a little more momentum with the win streak and the fact that they're at home. So I think with that, with Burrow's elevated play as the season's gone on and Jamar Chase getting healthy again and T. Hagan's success, Joe Mixon's success, I, I just I see the Bengals getting this one just barely, though. Yeah, I'm on your side with that too. I I've, I've had the Bengals winning this for probably over a month at this point. They clearly show up in the big games. They proved it last year with their playoff run. They proved it when they beat the Chiefs three times in a row mm-hmm. with Burrow. I just think that they're going to win this game. Now, I could also see the Bills winning to clutch it out, but they have not looked as good as mm-hmm. they should. And the Bengals are a good football team right now. They're not good. They're great. And I think that they could very well end the season as the number one seed. So I think the way this weekends, I think the Bills lose. I think the Chiefs take the first seed. And it'll really come down to whether the Raiders can win that last game or not. I've never found myself. Wait, who did the Raiders play in the last week? Oh Chiefs. my gosh, I'm going to be a big Raiders fan that week. <laughs> yeah, I uh, will just not watch that game. That'll be painful <laughs> for sure. I don't like, I'm not, uh, I don't know, I don't like the Raiders very much. But um, I also don't want the Chiefs to be the first seed because I don't want Jacksonville to have to head into Arrowhead in the playoffs if they win the first week because it will probably be a home sweep in the first round with the way the playoffs mm-hmm. are looking. So th- I don't want that. I'd rather play Cincinnati. Joe Burrow um, and Trevor Lawrence AFC championship game. We were just talking about this not that long ago. Well, I think, yeah, that would be great. Uh, the, what I want to see is I want to see them match up in the divisional. while the chiefs and bills play each other on the other side of the divisional, but I don't know if that'll happen. That's projection. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Um, speaking of playoff impact, though, there is what is essentially the NFC South championship Here we go. game. Here we this go. This weekend, Bucks and Panthers. The Buccaneers look awful, disgusting, terrible team this year. Tom Brady trying to drag a corpse, <laughs> and Tom Brady himself is dying as he's doing it, throwing interceptions. And then you got. The Panthers, who have had like a hundred different quarterbacks this year, blew up their team at the start of the year, traded their best player, and somehow doing that became better. 
And now the Panthers, if they could beat the Bucks, would control their own destiny, lead the division, and if they could win the last week, they would make the playoffs. So who do you think is going to win this? I know I'm going to tell answer, you exactly how this is going to go, okay? Because I've watched this a few times throughout the last few weeks, so I'm confident this is how it's going to go. Two minutes left, fourth quarter. Sam Darnold engineers a long touchdown drive, and the Panthers take the lead and start celebrating. Two minutes left on the clock for Brady. Brady answers, and they put up a touchdown to get in the lead with, like, two seconds to go, and the Bucks finish him off. That's my prediction. Yeah, it's gonna look like it's gonna look like the yeah. it's gonna be like the uh, the Saints game, the Cardinals game the other night. It's gonna look like complete and utter dog crap for the Bucks the entire way through. There's not gonna be a glimmer of hope or a seeming chance that they <laughs> they have a chance in hell to win. And then Brady's heroics are just gonna come in last second and just gonna drag that dead corpse over the finish line. <laughs> the Buccaneers ho- hosting the Cowboys. And being them in the playoffs is it's going to happen. It is absolutely destiny, and I think that they're going to win this game. I think they squeak it out, <laughs> but this this could go to the Panthers. It's possible. Um, I, I it's going to come down to the wire. Though. This game might be the best game of the week, partially for comedic value, <laughs> and it would probably be beautiful to a lot of NFL fans if Sam Darnold was the one to knock off the Tom Brady Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Final game that we'll talk about. Packers and Vikings at Lambeau Field. Packers fighting for their playoff lives. Quite frankly, I think they'll make it to the playoffs. They had everything go right last week. They're right there in the mix. They've got to win this. And the Vikings, I believe, are fighting with the 49ers for playoff seeding right now. So... In this game, what is your prediction? Who do you think is going to You really want to know? Are you ready for this? Sure. Minnesota lays an egg, an sure. absolute egg. And yep. it's it's hard to it's hard to say it that way because Minnesota's had so many impressive moments. They've clinched the division. They've obviously been way better off under Kevin O'Connell than they were Mike Zimmer. And I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but Green Bay, just with all these scenarios that went right for them, overcoming Miami, as I was talking about earlier, I mean, they clearly have some momentum. They might get a Justin Jefferson, Jer Alexander matchup, which will be really fun to watch because they had Alexander covering Tyreek Hill in that game. And Jefferson is trying to become the first receiver in NFL history to amass 2,000 yards. That means he needs like 130 or 140 yards, I think, per game these last two games. So he's going to be a factor no matter what, no matter how the game swings. But I just think in as crucial of a moment as this, Rodgers, as I was saying earlier, has the experience. And as much of a dud as he's appeared to be at some points in this season, uh, he has the experience in the playoffs and the late regular season heroics to pull it off. So I by no means think that their season is over, and I think Green Bay gets this one. Yeah, I agree that the Packers will win, but there is a very um, disappointing side <clears throat> to this if you're a Packers fan, and it's this. 
if the Packers beat the Vikings and the 49ers win, of which the 49ers are basically favorites in every game they win at this point, if that happens, the Packers will be on route to the seventh seed and the 49ers will probably be the second seed in the NFC. That means that the Packers would probably have to head to San Francisco to Santa Clara and face the 49ers and lose to them for the third year in a row in the oh playoffs. Yes, imagine if it's it, Brock Purdy will be their starter. He's still their starter, right? Yes, they will lose to Brock Purdy in the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers is going to lose to a 12-year-old kid. Take it wherever <laughs> you want. It's going to happen. It's destiny. They're going to make the playoffs at 9-8, and eight, and they're going to lose to Brock Purdy oh in the wild card round. It's happening. Just we'll come. We'll see that happen live. You know, when we travel down to Jacksonville for the playoff game, crossing my fingers, um, it it will be great. But that's probably how that's going to end. So that's my thoughts on it. We'll go ahead. We'll wrap this show up with our final section. Uh, what went right? So if Jacksonville is able to break the streak against Houston to beat them on the road. Out of all the things in that game, what was the one thing that went right for the Jaguars? Or you could say, you know, two or three. Okay. So with Damian Pierce being out, that would make, I would assume, Brandon Cooks their biggest weapon on offense. And he is okay. back. So yes. obviously limiting Brandon Cooks's explosive plays and having good, good man-to-man or zone coverage or whatever they have against him. Would it be man-to-man? They play, um, they want to play yeah. man-to-man, but I know Darius Williams is okay. more of a zone guy. So whichever they choose, basically limiting his big big play potential or big plays just in general. Um, I would say wearing the Houston defense down early. The Houston defense has looked pretty strong the yeah. last few weeks, especially with some of these better, more closer to juggernaut teams that they've faced. So I would say sustaining... Long drives, which Jacksonville's been successful at doing this year, that is a must and critical. Uh, they need to come out and score immediately. Don't take your time trying to score. You know, drive straight downfield on a long drive and put some points on the board. Touchdown, preferably. That and Trevor just needs to trust his playmakers. Take shots. Don't be afraid. Keep the momentum that you've had these last several weeks and just keep being you, you know. Keep, keep showing people why you belong with the biggest names in the league at quarterback. Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, For me, I didn't write this down, but I think that the Jaguars need to treat this very similar to how they treated Mm -hmm. the Tennessee game. You know, treat this as a team that believes they will beat the Jaguars no matter what, every single time. A team that doesn't respect Jacksonville, even if that's not true. They need to look at this game like that. I think the Jaguars, like you said, they need those long, effective drives. They need to control the clock. Um, They need a good running game in this. But maybe the biggest thing with that is that we cannot afford fumbles. We can't afford the interceptions. He has to be clean with the football, and ETN needs to hold on to the dang thing because every single game I watch him, He's bobbling it early in the game. He's nearly costing this team 
at the beginning of every single matchup and it is so frustrating to watch. If he can just hold on to it and get rid of those issues, he's going to be a great running back, you know, especially when we get him help on the offensive line. But that's how I look at it. I think those are the biggest keys to victory for Jacksonville. And I think they're going to get it done. I think they'll win this game pretty convincingly, and we'll be setting up for a really awesome Week 18 matchup. I agree. Last thing I'll throw out there, I think Travis Etienne is going to be the Jamar Chase of running backs. You got all these costly fumbles, except one was in training camp, that being Jamar. This one's, well, unfortunately during the regular season. But Travis Travis Etienne is going to put it together, and he's going to be among the top, if not the top running back in the league by next year. I have full faith in the guy, and yes, he needs to eliminate the mistakes and the fumbles, but he's going to get there. I believe in him. I hope so, because that would be great if we could just have a really awesome running game. That's what Jacksonville's been known for. We've had guys like Fred Taylor, Maurice Jones-Drew, Fournette for a year, and then, uh, well, I mean, he was okay after the year, but um, James Robinson. You know, we, we need to be known for that. We need to have that mentality. Mm-hmm. We need to keep it. Um, but, yeah, I, I think we'll get this done. I, I think he'll be fine. So, yeah, that's all I've got to say today. I think that's all we've got. We appreciate you joining us today for the latest episode of On the Prowl, presented by Cardiac Cats. Keep the faith. We're going to be back next week after week 17.